We hear it in weddings all the time, till death do us part. Let's talk about it on this episode of Inverse. Coming to you from Silver Spring, Maryland, welcome to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation on life principles, contemporary issues, and thought-provoking perspectives. Now here's your host, Justin Kim, with Inverse. Hey guys, you're watching Inverse. My name is Justin Kim, and in the studio we have Jonathan and Sebastian and Siku, and we are in a 13 arc looking at the topic of the covenants. And currently we're in episode 9, and we want to encourage you to go to hopetv.org and look at the past episodes on Inverse to catch up where we are at. For those of you who are studying our Inverse Bible Study Guides, you can go to inversebible.org inverse, and we want to encourage you, keep going. This is a very fruitful study, and it's going to get into the Bible, and there are some hard concepts, but very, very, very fruitful nonetheless. So I want to uh, say hello to my friends here. Hello, hello guys. Hi. You guys doing all right? Been good. Okay, this has been quite a journey, yes. yes. Uh, mm -hmm. Very, very cerebral, mm -hmm. but very heartfelt, mm -hmm. uh, very impacting uh, on my spiritual language and, and, and lingo as well. Uh, mm -hmm. We've been talking amongst our group here, and, and we've been using, hey, that's Old Covenant, hey, that's New Covenant, and it's been part of our lingo. That's been a kind of a cool yes. uh, transition there. So we're going to go to Romans chapter 7, Romans chapter 7, and before we do so, Jonathan can pray for us. Sure, let's pray. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you so much again for the privilege of being able to spend time in the Word. And today we want to invite your Spirit to help us have a clear understanding what it means to live mm -hmm. in a new covenant experience and what that looks like and how it impacts our lives. So please bless us now. Be with all of us here, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, Siku, can you kind of keep a, a, um, like update us and sync us up? So, we've been talking, there's just heavy concepts and kind of hit the top, top, top parts. Not everything because okay. we've had like eight episodes already. <laughs> yeah. uh, but so, for, for someone who may be watching for the first time mm -hmm. and they're not, what is this old new covenant mm -hmm. thing? And, and then bring us up to date. Okay, um, so, whew, uh, so, <laughs> no, um, no pressure. Well, I guess hitting oh, highlights, yeah. <laughs> yeah, highlights, um, we, you know, we have the Old Testament and New Testament, and yeah. typically we think of Old Covenant as belonging to the Old, tes Old Testament, and New Covenant belonged to the New Testament mm -hmm. when Jesus came. Mm -hmm. So, a lot of times we, there's this picture of God in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant God, and He's mean and vindictive, and the New oh. Testament God, who is Jesus, is lovely nice. and fluffy and sweet. Um, <laughs> but what one of the high points I think you know in the studies has been bringing out the character of the God who makes a covenant with His people. Mm -hmm. That is the same God in the Old Testament as in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. The elements of the covenant that He wants to make with His people are the same through the Old Testament into the New mm -hmm. Testament. Um, but what actually changes is the response of God's people. So whether in the Old Testament or the New Testament, there can be a response that is old covenant response, mm -hmm. um, which is, I want to do it with my own strength. Or you can have a new covenant response, which is, I'm going to let God do this in me, um, work out His will in my life. So I think that's roughly, you know, kind of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, excellent, excellent. We get that, that, uh, that old covenant response from the story in Mount Sinai mm -hmm. when a lot of the Israelites say, hey, I wanted, we can do it on our own strength. And we see that even though the, the sentiment wasn't necessarily legalistic, we see the fruit of that throughout many characters in the Old and also the New Testament, right. specifically right. the Pharisees. We looked at uh, the Jerusalem, which now is, according mm -hmm. to Galatians, the leader 
leaders of the Jews at the time right. who said, hey, this law, we can do it in our own strengths. When God says don't lie, I'm going to just muster up all the strength I have. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to do this all by myself. Mm -hmm. right. And a cool one was Abraham actually seeing both responses in one person. Yeah. You know, so like it's really just about how you're responding, yes. not necessarily because you're a Pharisee, but yeah. the same individual right. can have, you know, so God, you promised me kids, I'm going to have kids right. all by myself. And then doot, miracle child comes in like, whoa, how did that, how did that happen? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. The beautiful thing is that it shows us that God is consistent. And I've said this before, but I'm saying it again. God has always <laughs> been good and righteous and fair. Mm -hmm. And when you look at Jesus and think, this is the God I want to worship. Well, that's the God of the Old Testament as well. Mm -hmm. And so God's consistency is, is beautiful. It tells us something about his character. Mm -hmm. That also tells us that salvation has always been by faith. As you just said, Abraham, you know, had that faith experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and that whether, whatever, whenever you lived on that timeline, whether you lived 4,000 years ago or if you're living, you know, 50 years from now, mm. salvation is by faith and that will not change. Mm. And that is what, what has really been impactful for me, understanding that and seeing that in both the Old and New Testament. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Some, sometimes, uh, even on our show, yes. and we talk about there's people who believe in God and then them who don't believe in God and they're the bad ones. <laughs> but uh, from our discussion on the covenants, it seems like that these people who don't believe in God, they're not really part of the discussion mm -hmm. that the, the two people that are being described are one who are really transformed by God and the other side are those who have a relationship with God but they're not really being transformed. Mm -hmm. they, they do all the forms and do all the external things and they all believe in the existence of God mm -hmm. but not necessarily His power and these two groups are the ones that are actually kind of being compared and contrasted yes. mm -hmm. with, at least in the covenant discussion mm -hmm. that we're in. Right. Well, let's go to Romans chapter 7 verse 1 <clears throat> and uh, Romans uh, we covered at last quarter but now we're looking at it with our our covenant glasses, yes, or if you have LASIK surgery, your 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 covenant eyes, eyeballs. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> all right. Uh, Sebastian, <laughs> can you read chapter seven, <laughs> verse one through six, please? Okay. Or do you not know, brethren? For I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. Okay, let's just stop there and pause. And this is a very dense uh, passage, and we really want to encourage you out there to get out your Bibles and to, uh, you can watch us and you can see us reading it, but actually having in front of you, especially when it comes to the book of Romans and especially chapter 7 of Romans, you want to see it in front of your, your eyes. Mm -hmm. um, Sebastian, you just read about this this allegory, if you will, mm -hmm. yes. and every, alle every allegory is not perfect, right? Correct. But he is using this as a motif, so describe this. What, mm -hmm. What's going on in, in this, this death a death do us part uh, motif. What's going on there? Siku. Um, just starting from verse 7, mm -hmm. um, if, if we haven't... Verse 7? Oh, sorry, verse, verse 1. Verse 1, okay, okay. If we haven't read chapter 6, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. verse 1 says, go back and read chapter 6. Oh, okay. Because um, it says, or do you not know? So this or, where's that coming from? Because he's been talking about something in the previous oh, chapter. Oh, connecting the previous context. Right, mm -hmm. right. 
And in the previous context, when he says, or oh, do you not know, brethren, I'm going to skip the parenthesis, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives, mm -hmm. right? So he has been talking in chapter six about this, this law having dominion over someone who's living. He's been talking about dying, mm -hmm. right? Dying to the law. Mm -hmm. And so it's important to understand that's the context within which he's about to bring about another illustration, mm -hmm. I guess, to hit on points that the previous, like you're saying, no allegory is perfect. So he's trying to hit elements that he couldn't hit with the previous example mm -hmm. of what that relationship with the covenant is. Mm -hmm. yeah. And chapter six is about dying, 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 baptism, baptism, dying, death, death, mm -hmm. death, death, death. And now he's going to take that dying motif and then just kind of go to a different direction. Yeah. Yes. 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 yeah, so he now goes into this allegory, this illustration and says, uh, you know, a woman who is married, if she would, you know, go to another man, she would be an adulteress. Mm -hmm. But if her husband dies, she is legally free to marry. Mm -hmm. So now, uh, th this is the story he's trying to, to set up, and he's trying to fill this with, with a deeper meaning of what he has been discussing and what we're looking at now. So mm -hmm. he's trying to say, um, your relationship uh, to the law changes with Jesus. Mm. Okay, that's his point that he's trying to make. So what that exactly means, you know, we have to, we have to discuss. But it's, a, it's important to understand that he's not talking here about um, you're dying, that, that the law is dying. Mm -hmm. He's talking about your relationship with the law. How does the law affect you? In the one hand, the law was affecting her when she was married, mm -hmm. that she would become an adulterer if she goes to another man. Right. On the other hand, how does the law affect her when her, this other man, uh, her husband dies? Mm -hmm. The law is still there, the law is still valid, but now she's free to marry because she's not married anymore to the, to the one who passed away. So the law didn't die, the man died. Mm -hmm. right. And so who is that man, allegorically speaking, and what happens here, that's, that's what we're trying to figure out. Yeah, let's out. discover who that, that man is yes. and who's dying. But it's very clear, and I appreciate that, Jonathan, mm -hmm. that it is not the law that is dying. Mm -hmm. And this is a common misunderstanding that you see in many uh, uh, belief systems around the Bible. That, hey, the law has died. Well, what are the ramifications of that if the law has died? Well, I mean, think about, first of all, even in the context of the situation, the law that bound her to her first husband also binds her to her second husband. Mm, that's right. So if she tried to marry again, you know, this old husband or another man with this new one, she's violating that same law. Mm. So when law removes, law governs relationships and it does not protect the benefits, the happiness of all creatures if you remove the law. Yeah. So essentially- well, I would even say, I would disagree a little bit in the sense that if the law were removed, would she even she be lawfully married to the yeah, second correct. husband? Correct, there would is she no even, marriage. Like, That's like, right. It would just Nothing be, has meaning it would just, it'd just be game over. Like, let's just, <laughs> you know, it wouldn't be freedom. It would no. just be complete chaos, chaos. chaos and <laughs> anarchy yeah. and- yeah. Yeah. And, and your freedom would essentially be limited by someone else's power to exercise their freedom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you're free until someone else comes on stronger, more powerful, and more number mm -hmm. to restrict your freedom and say, well, you want to do this, but actually we're just going to take your land, we're going to yeah, take yeah. your husband, we're going to take your kids. Like, there's no law. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. We have to understand that uh, law, uh, love is not possible without law. Mm -hmm. Because law defines parameters. The law is, I mean, we, we exist in the rea reality that we are in. Mm -hmm. God has created all things. Everything a reflection of his character that he created originally and so uh, he defines what is right and wrong mm -hmm. and if we say 
you know, all that is gone, we're basically saying God is dead. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. And so love is not possible without the, you know, without the parameters of the law. Yeah, mm -hmm. and at least in the context of Romans, there would be a lot of portions that wouldn't really make sense. Yes. Right. Because mm -hmm. Paul is really extolling law. Law is good, the law is holy, the law is, if you go to verse 22 there, I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. That's right. Uh, the law is, is not, not bad, but the, our interaction with the law um, can be. Right. Uh, okay. And when we say the word law, it triggers to many people, oh, legalism, legalism. But we have to understand that that's not what Paul is trying to say. That's not mm. what we're trying to say. Mm. We, we don't uphold the law as a form of salvation, as a method mm -hmm. of salvation. It is a safe person that keeps the law. So mm -hmm. it's, it's the other way around. This, I mean, this is what Paul Awesome says. clarification. Mm -hmm. Totally, totally, totally. Mm -hmm. Okay. Siku? Oh, I was, I was going to say, it, it keeps ringing my mind yeah, yeah, when yeah. I was uh, talking about chapter 6. And I said die to sin, die mm. to law. It's mm. actually die to sin. Die to sin. Okay, yeah, yeah. okay. To like clarify. even chapter 6, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. all about No, when it comes to Paul, we got we to gotta clarify and, and, yes, and, and yes. make sure that we're not... Very technical. Uh, we're not... Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> verse, <laughs> verse 4, let us continue. And Sebastian, please. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. Mm -hmm. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. All right, so clarify this. What's going on in these verses here? Well, basically, oh. now he's going into, uh, he is, he's telling us what this allegory was all about. And so he's saying, um, here we have the sinful passions that were aroused by the law, right? Mm -hmm. Those were, th that is the, the tendencies that we have inside that lead us to sin. He's, um, he's saying that is what we were, uh, what, what we are to die uh, not for, but we are to die too. This has to die, this, this part of ourselves. Okay, hold that thought, Jonathan. When we come back after the break, we're going to see what Jonathan is dying to. <laughs> has Inverse been a blessing to you? Do you have questions, comments, or feedback you'd like to leave us? Find us on social media by searching Inverse Bible on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. While there, join us, like us, heart us, thumbs up us. Our handle again is Inverse Bible, no spaces. Now, back to the discussion. Welcome back. We are in Romans chapter 7, verse 5, 6, and, and, and 6. And so Jonathan, what were you saying? Yeah, so what we see here is Paul uh, trying to help us understand that in our experience um, with the law, things can change when we come to Christ. Mm. You know, they will change when you come to Christ. So before you come to Christ, your relationship with the law is one of condemnation, where the law points out your issues in your life, the sins in your life. This is what the law does. And I'm thankful for it because it's like a doctor telling mm. you you have issues. However, what Paul is trying to say is the, the law itself is not the doctor. He, he cannot heal you. He's just mm. diagnosing you, all right? Uh, th this is the diagnostic power of the law, so to say. Mm. But what it drives you to is this new husband, which is Jesus. Your relationship with the law changes because now when you come to Jesus, you, uh, as we have established in previous episodes, Jesus, through the Spirit, as he says in, in, in verse 6, um, 
the Spirit now lives in you. Jesus can keep the law through you. It is His responsibility to make this possible, not your responsibility. Mm. Your righteousness comes from Christ, not from yourself. So what Paul is trying to say is your relationship with the law changes. The law remains, stays, but when it was first diagnostic, once Jesus comes into your life, it becomes uh, a pathway of life for you, but not the means of salvation. And that pathway of life is only accomplished through the Holy Spirit living in you, through Jesus working this out in your well, life. Let's spend some time. I know you guys want sure. to jump in, but I just want to clarify what Jonathan sure. is saying and then maybe get some input and, and, and slow down a little bit, okay? Mm -hmm. So what, describe to me a relationship that someone has. Mm -hmm. So there's just me, normal old Justin, and I'm unconverted, I don't have the Holy Spirit, and I only have the law. Right? Mm -hmm. What kind of what kind of experience would I have? Describe that to me, Siku. I mean, it's gruesome. It's it's depressing, you know, because because you have this thing in front of you that you're supposed to do, and you are incapable of doing it. Okay. So actually, every you know, he's talking about the the that experience of you know with the law of it bearing fruit to death. Like every encounter you have with the law. Is, con is condemnatory, like mm. it condemns you. Mm -hmm. And no matter, every time you encounter it, it's saying that you're wrong, you're bad, you're evil, you're cruel. You're, with, with, without the power to keep the law, then it's just a negative experience with the law. You know, and you could end up thinking that the law is bad because it makes me feel bad. Okay, right? all right, all right. And it also reminds me that, you know, when I was in the, in the, in the Marines, you have, situations where what Paul is trying to paint this picture of this relationship with the law that was very similar to our drill instructors in boot camp. It's like, well, guess what? You're going to run, you know, these eight miles with these packs and your boots in the rain. And you're just like, I can't do it. And the person, the drill instructor is like, I don't care. This is what's expected. Do you want to be a Marine? Then you're going to run the 10 miles. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, okay, I'm going to try to be a Marine. And then you fail. And it's like, well, you failed. So start from the beginning because you didn't run it fast enough. Mm. And it's like, this is the relationship that you're having with the law as an mm. unconverted person. Mm. Uh -huh. You're being demanded, something's being demanded of you that you cannot deliver. And it's abusive because as it condemns you, you know it's true. Mm. So it's like, it's true, I, I can't do it. I'm not able to do it. And then it just keeps reminding you again and again that you're not mm. doing it. The, f the fear of that inability, mm -hmm. right, should be directed at, you know, if, if I were in, I'm not, I was never ever in, yeah. in <laughs> ever in the Marines. I don't think I ever ever qualify to even apply for the application. For, right. or, for, but even if I were, I, I was just thinking in my imagination. That's, that's as close as I'll get to the Marines. No uh, problem, uh, no problem. So that if I were running there, even though I should blame my own ability, mm -hmm. right? I would, I would direct that fear towards drill that drill sergeant or, yes, the, yes. or the dumb sta standards of the, of the Marine Corps. It would go towards the, that right. standard, that law. That's exactly I mean, right. And that's exactly yeah. why Paul is saying you're going to hate the law. Yes. Right? Right. If you adopt this mindset, you're going to hate the law. Yes. You're going to think this thing's oppressive, it's abusive. Like, right. what kind of God exactly. would institute this? Yes. Yes. Right? And that's yes. the same thing this woman would be looking at her husband. So then I'd hate myself. I hate the Marine Corps. I hate. I hate. You know. I hate and, then, life. and this would be bad. And this is where it gets. This is the first husband experience. Mm -hmm. This is the old covenant experience. Mm -hmm. And I would say maybe in some instances, uh, maybe to disagree a little bit with with Siku in in Second Corinthians we covered in a previous episode uh -huh. is there's a veil. Mm -hmm. So some may not even know yeah. that they're having this negative experience. They may just think That's like just life. they're just they're running yeah. and like I'm not making the standard, but I'm I, I passed but the Marine Corps. Like they're in the weird illusionary. Yes. Yes, yes, world yes. in themselves too. So yeah. in, in line, but but Voila. but but composite picture. And in their mind, 
what person would want to get rid of the law more mm. than a person having an oppressive experience with the law? Yes. Right. So if any person who's a Christian right now is thinking, oh, we got to get rid of this thing, it's because you're having an oppressive experience. Yes. Mm -hmm. There's no person hoping for their husband to die when they have a beautiful marriage. Yes. Right. right? That's actually one of my greatest fears is imagining the day that if I had to bury my wife mm -hmm. and to go to her funeral, like I don't even know if I could function mm -hmm. because you're just thinking the love that you have for this person, a relationship, that's, I would never wish for that. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what Paul is saying. The law is good, it's holy, it's just, why would you want this thing to die? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's because of the nature of this relationship yes. that you're having as to why you would say, oh yeah, let's get rid of the law because we think it's the law that's oppressing yes, us. Yes, 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 good, good. This is a good fruitful discussion, Jonathan. Yeah, I was, I was really just gonna make the same point. <laughs> We often mistake that our our negative feelings when we are condemned by the law yes. with that is the law. Yes. When you look at the law, what is the law? It's a transcript of God's character. What is God? God is love. Mm. So what the law upholds, the standard that we're called to is actually perfect love towards God, perfect love towards all people, mm. perfect selflessness, mm. harmony with everyone. It's, it's a beautiful thing. It sounds like but it's, utopia. It, it is. That's what it is. Right. Utopia, heaven. So it's impossible for us to, to live up to that because mm -hmm. of a sinful nature. And that's what Paul is saying. The sinful nature has to die. How mm -hmm. does it happen? by having a relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. So you said the sinful nature, and I totally agree, but let's bring it down. I gotta, we sure, gotta bring sure, it sure. down. So go back to the uh, Marine Corps, okay. the boot camp. So I'm in there, and I need a conversion <laughs> experience. I need to look at the Marine Corps in a different way. So I, I hate myself, I hate my drill sergeant, I hate the stupid standard of like, what's the standard? You gotta run like 19 <laughs> miles in three seconds, is that what it is, or something like that? <laughs> Pretty right? close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's we, we, we respect the military, the standards yes. there, but, they, they, but it's hard, right? Yes. So then what happens? I, my, you said the sinful nature has to die. Yes. So my my attitude has to die. Uh, in in this in this in this allegory of the allegory. Correct. Uh, and and die, and then I need to see, and then something supernatural has to happen. Uh -huh. Well, look, yeah. look. If you go in the verse, right, in in Romans seven and verse five, Paul gets to that. Romans seven, verse five. five. Okay, go for it. He says, "For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death." Yes. But now we have been delivered from the law having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit, not in the oldness of the letter. Okay, so now let's let's look at that, because when you, when you, when you read there, being delivered from the law, and that, that kind of mm -hmm. throws me in a minor tailspin. Yes. Doesn't it seem like the law's gone away with? Yeah. Right, it seems it on seems the surface, like, right? Yes. But the law that he's talking about is being in the flesh, that law of the sinful nature yes. that you're dealing with. So, so it's my attitude to the law and that's being delivered. Yes, I'm being delivered from an old that covenant standard is experience. exactly the same, but my interaction to that is that that, that simple nature is not in the law, but in me. 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 Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's, the, that's the oppressive husband. Yes. I am the oppressive husband within me. Right. And, and so Paul is then making the, the point in chapter 7 that how does that take place? You, you jump to 20, verse 25, okay. uh, Romans 7, verse 25, actually 24, 24. Mm -hmm. It says, O wretched man that I am, you know, realizing the mess that he's in. Yes. Who will deliver me from this body of death, from my sinful nature, from this issue that I have with the law and with, with God? Yes. Verse 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Mm. And I want to expand this. This is not just like, oh yeah, I accept Jesus into my life. You have to, you have to see his character. Mm -hmm. You see how beautiful he is. You see how, how loving he is. You look at the cross and you realize, whoa, sin is really, really a bad thing. Me wanting to hold on to sin, 
crucified Jesus, killed this, this, this incredible God, right? Um, and so uh, th- that changes you when you look at the cross. Mm. The transformation takes place and you say, I'm a sinner, but I, you promised me salvation. I, I want to be with you, mm-hmm. right? You, you, you fall on your knees and you surrender your life to Jesus. And then the miracle takes place in our heart where suddenly that sinful nature becomes disgusting to us. We start to see what Jesus is offering, the beautiful things of righteousness, all these things as, as desirable, where we before were like, I don't know. Now we want that and we say no to sin and self. We say no to like the, the stuff that we used to hold on to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we have been freed, as Paul says. Uh, now we can, we can walk in, in the Spirit. We can walk with Jesus into a, into a new life and we can start to hate sin and get rid of it now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If I can continue my, my analogy with, with Jonathan, just, sure. I, I need it. I'm still in that story. Yes. I'm still in the boot camp. It's raining and I hate my, my boot camp instructor. Okay. Yep. And all of a sudden I have a conversion experience, right? I'm yes. mixing allegories now, but right. whatever. Yeah. So I have conversion experience. All of a sudden, I, I have a six pack. I got muscles. My cardiovascular <laughs> is like I am a GI Joe, you know, super Marine. And next time that running test happens, I have, I can ace it because Jesus is living in me. That's right. Yeah. Right. Is, is that? Is and that your attitude you guys... towards the standard, because that does happen to you in Marine Corps boot camp. Yeah. You change. At the beginning, you go through something called the confidence course. And it's this obstacle course that you fail. And then all of a sudden at the end, at the end of the 13 weeks, you do the same confidence course and you completely destroy it yeah. without any hesitation yeah. because of the transformation that's happened mm-hmm. in that time. Before it was like, I'm terrible, I'll never be a Marine. And by the end you're like, I'm a Marine. Mm-hmm. And now that standard this. of which I previously hated, the, the law of sin, I is now it. the law of life and, yeah. and joy. Even though it's the, still the same standard, yes. my interaction to it has changed. We just want to make sure you want to sign up for Jesus and not sign up for the Marine Corps <laughs> throughout, throughout, this, throughout this discussion. The few, the but it, it, it helps me process this a little bit easier. It's the, still mm-hmm. the same standard, but something has died. One husband has died, and I've adopted a new attitude, the second husband of Jesus flowing through me. Yes. Amen. Okay. Amen. Awesome. 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 Amen. Well, let's continue on. Let's go to verse seven. Verse seven, and he says, "What shall we say then? Is the law sin? And we've established certainly not. No. Certainly not. Right. On the contrary, I would have not known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, You shall not covet.' But sin, taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. I was alive once without the law, but the commandment." Came sin revived and I died. And the commandment which was to bring life I found to bring death. For sin taking occasion by the commandment deceived me and by it killed me. Therefore the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. Now according to what we just said this passage makes a little bit more sense doesn't it? The, hey the law is bad but the law is good. The law is bad. The law is good. We're finding that the law is the same but our interaction with it is different. And the old attitude or the old covenant or that legalism has to die. Hopefully, through today's conversation, you've realized, man, there's all these standards that God has given me, but it is impossible in my strength. I've been discouraged for a very long time. Or maybe you may be thinking, I've been keeping them very well all by myself for a good time. That attitude needs to die. Death must happen to a part, as you will, with that. Mm. That's my prayer. Hopefully that's yours. Thanks so much for, for joining us on this episode of Inverse. You want to continue on episode 10 next week when we look at more components and a deeper look at the old and the new covenants here on Inverse.
God bless you. You've been listening to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation with Callie Williams, Israel Ramos, Jonathan Walter, Sebastian Braxton, Siku Dako, and your host, Justin Kim. Inverse is brought to you by The Hope Channel, television that changes lives. For this and more inspiring episodes, visit inverse.hopetv.org. Find us on social media, hashtag Inverse Bible. Until next time, this is Inverse.